You are listening to a no-show radio production. Mind your ears while we unpack the unusual. After the quiet of a thousand nights falls upon your ears, an idea will betray you. Your secrets are not yours alone. An abyss opens beneath your cradle, and the torch will sputter into darkness. You will hold the myth of life in your hands, and you will drive the chariot of winter. Welcome to Soul Story, a Through the Breach actual plate podcast set in the world of Malifaux. Today I'm joined by... Moose, playing Felix. And then it's just me, Alex, your Fate Master, because today we're doing a one-on-one with our dear, dear friend Moose. Nobody else, only me. Only you. It's about time. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to say that you approach the Gibson Manor. We're not just going to cut right into it. You approach, but what's different, you, you know, you've been here, what, this is your second or third time? This would be the third time I've been. Well, no... Well, we went there once with the group. I went there once by myself. So third time. You guys went as a group? I don't remember that. Yeah, because remember we, uh... Oh no, I'm thinking about the one shot. Never mind. So second time. Second time, yep. Okay. So the the, the first time, the, the guards weren't the best guards. They were a little lazy. A little sleepy. They had one that kind of chased you around the house because you were throwing (laughs) magic around, you (laughs) madmen. But you also were like, here is this thing to help calm you. Just bullshitting your way around. Mm -hmm. Now that you're back, and it's been about a week. I guess maybe, what's the timetable on it? (laughs) No, no, sorry, I'm thinking. The the end of the prologue would be two weeks. So this is, it's, it's been about a week. Uh, and they've stepped up their game. Nice. The guards that are there are taller, broader, meaner looking. They are paying attention to everyone that passes by. Okay, cool. Then he would probably try to go later afternoon, getting close to dusk, to kind of look like he was traveling to home, perhaps, from a job or, you know, out, out on a stroll, not looking to stand out. Okay. Um, so it probably, yeah, that kind of twilighty, you know, nice walk time where it's not too warm, not too cold, not too busy. The perfect time. The perfect time. So as, as you're on your walk, you see these guards and they, they watch you. It's that, it's their job to be suspicious of everybody. It clearly isn't anything personal. Just whenever there's someone that passes their view, they track them. They kind of roll their shoulders. They, they don't have a gun armed like in their hands it's strapped across them they each have a rifle um and there's a blade at their side too they are ready for kind of anything to to come this way i'm gonna say one is a woman and one is a man they don't talk okay i'm gonna say the woman has a scar over her eye so she's blind in that eye and the other guy his nose is just has has been, been broken more than once Probably yeah. more than ten times. It looks gnarly. 
uh, they look mean. But that is who's currently guarding the the one entrance that you know of into the, the Gibson Manor. Um, I will politely take them in and probably tip the bowler hat that I'm wearing. Um, and is this... Is there an alley behind the Gibson Manor or anything of the sort that I could, like, walk around the block? I'll say yes. I'm gonna say the alley's pretty tight, though. That's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't mind. Um, I'm just gonna kind of walk around the edge of the block. Um, in my peripheral, do they, can I see if they're still watching me? Once people are more out of sight of the main entrance, they kind of lose track of them. There's other stuff to be watching. Okay. So I'll probably quicken my pace once I realize that they're no longer watching me um, and head towards this narrow alley toward, okay. back towards the Gibson Manor. And I'm going to say the alley is, despite this nice neighborhood, it's still dirty. It's still gross. There's still trash. Uh, although there's not people in it. It's just tight and gross. And each yard kind of has its own flavor to it. The Gibson Manor is very specific in the fact that it has that tall iron fence with the hedges pushing through it. Mm-hmm. And you can tell even just looking at the hedges and not fully into the garden yet, you can tell the hedges are starting to wilt a little bit. They're starting to brown. The flowers aren't there anymore. It's midsummer. No one lives there anymore. It's just not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, at the back of the house, is it still just a set of hedges and a wrought iron fence? It is. Okay. Um, how much taller are the hedges versus the fence? I'm going to say the fence is taller than the hedge. And okay. the fence is taller by... I don't know. I just like made the L shape with my hand as if that's a measurement. <laughs> What's that, like five inches? <laughs> okay, that that's fine. Um, I love it. I can totally see your hand. Oh. <laughs> It's beautiful. Then he is going to try and get over this fence okay. as quietly as he can. That's why I was I was glad that the fence is a little bit taller. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, I don't like. I don't think it has necessarily the the climbable steps to it. So like, there's the low bar on the bottom and the low bar on top. It's more skinny and tall, but I think that you can definitely do it. I mean. Anything's possible. Let's try. Let's so try. let's do like, yeah, an athletics. Okay. I know I'm going to cheat that. <laughs> do you have let's... athletics? I don't. So you can't cheat it. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that doesn't work. <laughs> it's been so long. I forgot the damn rules. That's okay. I was like, wow, that's cool that Felix has it. Nope. But yeah, we can that. We'll make a note that says that you definitely tried to use it. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. For your next level I mean, level it was worth up, a shot. Right. But you know what? I I love the image a lot more of you making a bunch of noise as the failure. You're able to climb over it. It takes a lot longer than you thought it would. And Bang. it is you cursing. It is <laughs> bushes like shaking and you slipping and kind of hitting your, your arm against the metal. So it makes that like ringy sound. And now your arm hurts. And... It's a process. It is taking a while to get over it. And it, even like when you're at the top, and even though it's spiky, you kind of wait a second <laughs> before climbing down. And, and you like have that moment of like, should I jump? Should I climb down? And you decide that climbing down is the best. So you're, then you're like climbing into the bushes. Felix has never hopped a fence before. He's never taken a shortcut. 
that that makes sense. Let me go ahead and see how my notice is. I feel like there's a chance they might hear you. <laughs> I agree there should be a chance if he's making this much of a of a commotion. As of right now, you're a little distracted, so you're not quite sure where they are, or if they heard you, or if they're saying anything at all. As you're plucking <laughs> the, have the... I seen someone? <laughs> are there even people here? What are people? What are people? You're grooming yourself a little bit, making sure that your your jacket's just fine. Also, a very Felix thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of know you. I know Felix. He may be dead, but he looks great. <laughs> What would you like to do now that you're in the yard? Well, first, I'm going to finish preening. Like, mm. first and foremost, I will not walk into this house looking a mess. <laughs> um, then I'm going to look for a back door, a window, or a cellar. So I'm going to say that as you come to back to reality after that thrilling adventure, as I bump my fucking mic, I think it's it's a small backyard. There's There's not a whole lot of acreage to it. Most of it's taken up by, oh, what's it called? It's not a gazebo, but it's when they have like those square archways that are oh, tall. Is it a pavilion? No. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Is it? That okay. sounds right. Uh, and so it's the same, it, it's painted blue to match the house, and there were once flowers and vines that hung off of it, but again, they're shriveled and, and, and brown and not looking so great. Those were probably one of the first things to really pass and mm-hmm. without any care. There's a table and chairs. I, they kind of have that same wrought iron look, but they're white instead of black. There's still that kind of crazy amounts of wildlife happening in, in the backyard where it's plants that are, shouldn't be here, but are here. And you see the door that, you know, you, you've been to a house or two. It probably will lead into <laughs> the kitchen, few. if anything. Okay. And from what you remember of the layout, a little bit of the house, too, is that there wasn't really a place to go out into the backyard. Like, it's there for visual, not necessarily for hosting. So you see you see the kitchen door, but as you start walking towards it, you have this moment, and the color starts to fade around you, but it doesn't go black and white. It's more like watching movies from the 40s and 50s. Okay, so it's not all saturated and... Yeah, yeah, it's it's very muted in color. Okay. As you kind of take take a quick look to your right, you see a woman and a child, and the they're both of African heritage. The little girl has white hair that is done in braids, two braids that hang down. And the the mom is wearing an apron and she is wearing a very pretty dress and she has her gardening gloves on and she looks over to the child who is kind of running around doing things. I'm going to say it's, she's maybe about five, six. <laughs> doing child things. Doing child, chasing a butterfly and then gets a little distracted as she sees a very pretty bush of flowers and the, they're, they're perfectly manicured to look like orbs, but the flowers that are coming out are these even even in this dulled colored world, you see that they're this bright lemon yellow. Wow. Okay. That's a very powerful color in a muted world. That's damn. And the girl giggles and runs over to the flowers and picks up a flower, pushes it in her face, 
only to immediately start crying, dropping the flower. And you see that there's burn marks on her hands, and there's burn marks on her face, and you see the mom drop her gardening tools immediately and rushing over. Winifred! Winifred, what happened? And you just hear this girl crying and shrieking in pain and agony. Weird. Okay. We've been to the garden before. Yeah. And you have tried to examine plant life before. Would yep. you like to again? Yup. Uh, what, would you like me to use my alchemistry? Sure. That sounds good. That is a nine of masks. A nine of masks. So you know it's called a lemon drop. It's, it's mostly visual. And there's this myth around it that you keep lemon drops in your garden to keep the never born at bay. Kind of like how you would hang garlic knots Got at the it. door. But you know, that's, that's just kind of a myth. You know it has other properties. Uh, you, you know that the reason the whole Neverborn thing is that there is an acidic quality to it that only seems to mix with certain oils. <gasps> Winifred, <laughs> you half-breed, you. Um, okay, well, putting that in my pocket of secrets. <laughs> um, quick question. Yes. I know Felix has been in Malifaux for a while. Mm-hmm. Would he have ever heard of this girl... Or, like, had dealings with Winifred? Because I, I have a feeling that as, I mean, me as a player, I understand Winifred a little bit. But I'm not sure that Felix has a basis of comparison. I'm glad you made that difference. So, Winifred is a socialite. She comes from a family of socialites. It's probably not likely that you would have crossed paths. I mean, maybe, maybe you would have seen them at the theater. Or, I don't know, what do rich people do? <laughs> that makes, I mean, that would probably be the literal only place that I could see him because mm -hmm. he didn't really play with the socialite crowd. He comes from a socialite family himself, mm -hmm. but when he came over to Malifaux, like that spark of life was kind of dead. So, so before he was dead, ha, <laughs> oh, that joke never gets old. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'd say that it, and you've heard of their names before and a bunch of different ways. I think maybe we've discussed that. God, I think we've discussed it in the show before. I think so. I'm, I'm very positive. I just wanted to make this distinction so I can make some educated guesses about this this happening versus going, oh, this is player knowledge. Nope, it's clear character knowledge now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope, you're good. Anyway, continuing. Sorry. So, so, no, you're okay. So this vision happens before you and as soon as Mrs. Winifred runs over to help her daughter they fade away and it's like you blink it's almost like they were never there wiping away fog off a mirror interesting okay um do i feel any magic no interesting okay here's a question what does your magic feel like is it just cold it's not just cold um his magic is it's kind of dusty. It's cold and dusty now. Um, it's changed since he's died. Originally, it, it was how to, uh, it was earth, like not really earthy, but it was very much of an ember, mm -hmm. kind of like that nice fire, like uh, camping fire smell, like that kind of like warm tobacco type thing. Like it was very soothing, but not very powerful. Now it's changed to a very like I, I always think of like gunpowder. 
and how it's it's not necessarily acidic but it has kind of that bite to it but it's naturally like cold and mine's like in the barrel like mine's old like it might even not even fire anymore that's how his feels i like it okay so i would say that if anything you feel that and it's not that it's really emitting from anywhere it's just that you know what you're seeing is likely something in response to you interesting okay interesting okay well i'm gonna chalk that up to this is neat let's see if we can get it to happen again and i'm going to try the back kitchen door okay i'm gonna say it's open i'm also gonna say that the color scheme while it comes back a little bit you're still not at full capacity okay that's things are still a little saturated but you walk into the kitchen and you see your wife again <gasps> but you've been here before not this kitchen not this this part of the house but you've been here before because you see your wife and out of curiosity was your wife someone that would help in the kitchen would she uh yes she was an avid baker wonderful so she has her apron on her face is a little dusted with flour her hair is messy but in the sense that she's been sweating and cooking and you see this row of croissants having already been baked and you see her rolling and folding and you know that this only really happens when she's upset about something and you remember this memory that you have of her and it was really the last fight you had with her and it's her kind of not blowing you off necessarily but she is is, is focusing more on on the work at hand than you i'm i'm fine darling stop fussing i'm fine and this happened after you came back you were still at war but you had to come home to to retrieve some supplies okay. from your personal collection. So you weren't going to be home long. You're a doctor. You know that she isn't doing great, but you can't, you don't have the time to do the whole spiel. And, and this, this whole kind of fight starts with her saying, I'm fine. Stop fussing. Oh, man. Okay. So he would have st- like paused in shock first. Mona, mi amor, you're, you're not fine. There's nothing wrong. And he'll go into these technical, you know, your coloration is turning no, to this. No, Mona. You're beautiful. I see, you know, your your features are becoming more concave. Are you eating well? Yes, I'm eating. Don't. don't, don't just just don't stop. stop. Come here. Come are to you me. hydrated. Yes, of course. I need to run a few diagnostics. I have time to prescribe something. I, I just need to be with you for, for just a moment. I'm just tired. It's the summer heat. I'm tired. As you're reaching out, the, the memory plays out. That's when you were trying to take her temperature. You're trying to feel her pulse. You were trying to be her doctor. Mm-hmm. And she pushes you away, not hard, not like throwing you across the room, but more force than probably would be used to, that you were ever used to. And some of that frustration hits her face. And she's like, you're clearly here to work. Go do what you need to do. Felix isn't going to have a response. It's just those same undead icy tears are just going to start welling up. Like, he can't do anything. Like, he couldn't do anything then. He certainly can't do anything now. Both of them are dead. As the memory continues to play out, Felix is going to... He's going to attempt to, like, stroke her, stroke her hair. For a moment, you actually feel it. It's even worse. <laughs> like, it's, it's like you're there with her. It isn't a ghost touching a memory. You actually feel her hair, and you kind of smell that sweat and the baking coming off of her. You see memory self walk away 
frustrated. I punch, I punch memory self. <laughs> and <laughs> you standing there, you're able to see her start to cough and pull out her handkerchief and you see a little bit of the spotting of blood hit as she tries to then quickly stuff it in her sleeve and pretend it's not happening. As, as that one memory fades, then you hear something in the hallway, the only hallway leading out of here, and you hear a young man muffled, crying out for help. And then you also hear what sounds like someone beating on a door, knocking on a door, kicking down a door. Oh shit. Uh, well, the doctor and me, now horribly scarred all over again, watching my wife be sick and it's awful, um, is going to deflect, being like, oh, I can't feel, I must be a doctor, and I'm going to run to the sound. Okay, it's it's just immediately in the hall, uh, it, clearly that's where they, the cellar door was, they kept their stuff, instead of having the outside door cellar, is that they had one by the kitchen, and you see two men, and you see... One is of Three Kingdom heritage, as he tries to kick down the door, fails miserably, backs up against the wall. So you see this Italian suave brute trying to help the door, although not with as much gusto as the other man. And you hear this muffled voice on the other side, panicked. And just when you think that the scene is like going to have some, some resolution, it just loops again. And you see... The man from Three Kingdoms rush the door, kick the door, fail, back up. And you hear the dialogue hit again. And then he goes to kick the door and it's like they're stuck on loop. Weird. Okay. Even though I understand this is strange memory land, mm -hmm. is there anything that I can do? Can I like try to push on the door? The door is open for you. Oh. And you see, so like the, the, the memory door stays shut, but... As you touch the door, you see it. You you feel it open. Okay. You don't see anything on the other side. Interesting. But I hear this. I still hear this voice on loop going, mm -hmm. Julian, Julian, help, Julian. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Can I enter the cellar? You may. There is a loose step that you barely avoid, but you make it down there and it's a cellar. There's nothing going Nothing on. Special. Nothing special. Okay. We shall venture out. As you venture out, you leave this memory playing behind, and it stays, so it's still kind of a constant background noise as you continue to explore the house. The The next scene you see, as, as soon as you step into the foyer with the grand staircase, and you can kind of see the door and the two rooms that are just right off the side of the entryway, you see a large man uh, with long red hair and a ponytail on a knee, bleeding. And you see Delilah hovering <clears throat> and radiating her power. You can't feel it again, but you see it. Just that purple cloudy wispiness that is, is off of her. And you see Brecca on the other side. Whoa. And you... Luke, plot twist. <laughs> and you see her with a jewelry box in her hand. And the man is screaming. Brecca, come back! I need your help! I can't do this by myself! And then Delilah, and, and all her magnificent power, You think you can steal from me? I'll show you what I can do with common thieves! And you see Brecca, without a speck of remorse, turn tail and leave. Oh no. Oof. And then the vision fades. There, There's that. That's a memory we get to relive. 
Good job, Rekka. <laughs> it's fine. She's a precious little snowflake. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you for uh, thinking so. <laughs> so, I know what's upstairs. Do I feel Delilah when I see this image? No. He's going to kind of chuckle at that, like, got that wrong. Doesn't even feel right. Nice try, house. He doesn't say anything, but uh, he's like, I could have done better. And walks up. He's going to walk up the staircase. Where are you headed? Um, I am headed to the ransacked room. Um, I believe that was Winifred's room. Okay. Because that was one that was intriguing to me the last time we were here, but I didn't want to go through somewhere that had already been ransacked. Yeah. The hallways and the stairs leading up to it, it's been a fairly busy house since you've entered this weird state that you're not even really sure how you tripped into. It was like a light switch yeah. happened. And suddenly you blinked and this was happening and it's not relenting. Although the colors are still subdued, it's just as if the story or the, the house doesn't have a story to tell here. Hmm. And then you get to Winifred's room. And before you enter, you hear the sound of a young girl crying. I cautiously peek in because she could be crying for various other reasons. And even though I'm watching these memories, you know, happen, it feels kind of weird barging into a, you know, a young girl's room without, I don't know, being invited. Being polite. <laughs> yeah, without being polite. And that's just the Felix thing. He's like, oh, I, uh, uh, still polite, still a man. Oh, fuck. As you are cautiously entering and opening this door, sure, you don't know Winifred. You've never met her. You don't know what her favorite color is. But you know that sound that she's making, that crying, soul-wracking sound. She's lost someone, something, that meant the world to her. And as you continue to push on in, you see her, like, as if she's thrown her body down like a, a rag doll, sobbing in funeral garb, holding onto a pillow. As if, if she let go, she'd fall off the side of the earth. This is why I was like, where were her parents before? This is why they're dead. Uh, neat. Uh, she's about 11, 10 or 11. Okay. Well, that's going to elicit some, some feels that Felix is not into. He didn't realize he could still feel that way being dead. Um, this is neat. He's going to do his best not knowing this girl, but he's going to sit down on the bed beside her and, uh, Winifred, you don't know me. I don't even know you if you can hear me, but I'm sorry. And he's going to try to touch this girl. You sit on the on the bed, and the bed that you sit on is a little dusty. But it's it, and and you reach out, and when you sit down, her sobs soften a little bit, as if like trying to rein in for politeness' sake, assuming someone was coming to pay respects. Got it. But she still it doesn't have quite the strength to pull herself up completely because she's a child. Yeah. She rubs at her eyes, trying to at least see who's there and resting their hand on, on her. And then her brows furl. Who are you? Oh, God. Oh, God. The shock. A he Felix is for but a moment taken aback like, oh, fuck, she can actually see me. Uh, so he completely gains as much composure as he can in a hot second. Winifred, my name is Felix. You say that, you just get Felix out. And she's gone. Bitch! She's still in the room. You realize that her presence isn't gone, it's just the time has shifted again. Oh. And you 
can tell you hear her scratching at something at her desk. Okay. Well, that's a shock, but we're going to go investigate. How close do you get? I get over her, like, a polite distance, close enough that I can see what she's scratching on, but not, like, looming over her. You see that she's writing in her diary. She's a little older. Um, 15-ish. 15, okay, so about four years, okay. Mm-hmm. And, dear diary. And, and, like, that's, like, the only thing that she's really started. Then you hear the door open. But whoever enters in isn't... You don't hear their footsteps. You see him enter in. He's tall, rail thin, kind of has a hooked nose, wears glasses at the tip of it. And he's carrying a crossbow, not armed, not aiming, but like at his side. And you can tell that they start talking to one another, but their words aren't there. Oh, so like the, the dream is in, or the memory is incomplete? A little, or just maybe you can't quite tap into whatever that conversation was. And you can tell it gets a little heated, but not not violently so, but this man swoops up her book and takes it away and puts down the crossbow on the table and walks away with the book. Interesting. And you see Winifred hang her head, but then take up the crossbow and follow him out. And as like, just before she passes the threshold, she'd fade away. He's going to walk out and head down the grand staircase, seeing if he can see where they went. Okay. There's, like last time, there just wasn't a story to tell. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I know there's, like, a smoking room. Mm-hmm. So let's go there. Do you want me to go over the layout of the house again for you? Uh, is that on the left-hand side? Right-hand side of the doors. Like, if you entered in from the entryway, it'd be on the right-hand side. Oh, yes. So, I, I, by layout, I mean, so there was a smoking, there's a parlor, foyer, stairs, and Winifred's room, master bedroom, and a study slash war room kind of situation. Oh, so I would have passed the study first. Mm. We can backtrack. It's easy. Yeah, let's let's go to the study, because I think he would have had that idea and then been like, oh, there's this other room that I didn't even look at before. What is it? Tell me your secrets. You open the door once more, and you see yourself. <gasps> me. It's your study, and you're <gasps> over your desk, and you're making funeral arrangements. Oh, God. What, what happened? What happened to Mona? Mm-hmm. So, as we know, uh, Felix served in the army for the British Armed Forces. Uh, he was, I believe, a Navy doctor is what I had decided. He would have been returning. Um, and the letter of his wife's passing had been delivered to where he was deployed um, probably two weeks prior. And he did not receive said note. He was en route back to merry old England. He would have returned to his home being dark. The servants were still seen, but everything was very somber, and he returned to find his wife dead. The And he uh, there was no notice, no nothing. Uh, there would have been a moment of Felix showing probably the truest emotion he's ever felt in his life by just collapsing by their bedside and, and not moving, for he has no idea. He doesn't know if it was a day, he doesn't know if it was an hour. She had died of consumption shortly after the baking scene that we've revisited. Uh, so he never really got to apologize or fix some things. 
So that's kind of what we're seeing the it come to a head here. We find that she had not reached out to any other medical professional for fear that they would reach out to Felix and that he would dishonorably leave service to get back home to her, and she didn't want that to happen to him because his career was important. She felt it was more important than she was at the end of her life. How did he find that out? Uh, he found out through her, like, her maid. It wasn't her maid, but it was, like, the cert, like the maid of the house that really helped her out, and that was there for her last moments. And she hold, held no ill will to, to Felix, and Mona didn't really either at the end of her life. It was more just, you know, I'm dying alone. Um, so she ended up talking to Felix after the funeral, saying that, you know, this is how she really felt. Because he was, he was ready to end it all at that point. Um, and that's where she convinced him that, you know, it wasn't out of, she wasn't truthfully unhappy. She was just, she didn't want to be alone. And so this maid, she would have been like, I, I tried to be there for her. And yeah, that's what we're going to go with. So maybe instead of you walking in and seeing your own funeral arrangement, it's... This is after the conversation with the maid. And on the table, some of it was, was the last bills from the funeral and a train schedule heading for Malifaux. Oof. I don't know if he can cry anymore in this one shot, so we're going to pretend like he doesn't. <laughs> he can cry all he wants. No, it's... He was already hit harder before. Um, he, he's just going to smirk and kind of give this very lackluster just chuckle um as he's watching himself you know feel like he's dead he's dead and him now standing here having died like that weird dichotomy of you know don't be a fool you know you find power and you know information galore but look what it costs you like stay here he doesn't verbalize anything but he he thinks this um, knowing he can't fix the past. And he's gonna, at this point, like, back out and shut the door, like, nope, thanks, done with that. Would you check out the master bedroom at all? <sighs> yeah, you know, after that, he's probably thinking, well, if every room is a little bit different, I should go check that out again. So he will. Are you sure you sound a little reluctant? No, I I'm trying to think of, like, I'm trying to think of Felix. He's, he's... We've had this human growth hormone <laughs> installed in him recently, and so he's coping with, like, feeling that again. He spent, I mean, it wasn't that long. He spent a couple of days, like, not really feeling human, not really feeling anything. Mm -hmm. And now that things are coming back to him, I think he's feeling them a little stronger. So he's trying to, like, cope with that again. Like, oh shit, these are feelings. Why did I have these? They're terrible. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, but yeah, he'll he'll go investigate the master bedroom. In the master bedroom, it's it's the master bedroom you've seen before, but tucked in the blankets is your wife again. Because <laughs> we're not done with this yet. Sweet, let's do it. Hit me. And you have that realization that these were her last moments, that she's still there, she's still breathing as best as she can breathe. Boy. Uh, is anyone in the room with her? No one. He will 
approach the bedside table. He doesn't want to get too close for fear of just just breaking down. Um, he's not even sure if he would still exist if he allows himself to get much closer. But he stands there. And he smiles. Darling, you're as beautiful as ever. I'm so sorry. I couldn't be here for you. I will see you again. And know that I will love you always. At that, he's going to try... Try not... He doesn't try hard enough to reach her. But it, he at least gets the strength to reach his hand out near her. And he'll pull back and just sit on the floor, his back to her, like, just waiting for it to end. He's like, he doesn't even have the strength to move out of the room. You feel her touch as this really cold, weak hand settles kind of wherever she can can rest it, whether that's your shoulder or your head. I'm, I'm not sure how the height difference would be, but she's touching you. You don't need to be sorry. I'm glad you made it. I love you too. I've always loved you. Thank you. That's it. Um, that's when Felix breaks. Um, he would just start crying. Like, he can't even answer. He can't move. These strange, undead ice tears are back. As poor, poor Felix is going through all this turmoil, the touch remains, and you probably don't even notice as you're deconstructing a little bit. But then there are two men beside you. And because you're sitting on the floor, you're at this weird <laughs> height. Uh, Blowjob time. And they're, they're stepping through you, literally stepping through you. One man is sitting in a chair holding the hand of another woman. And standing beside him is a man you do recognize. It's Matthew McFate. <gasps> this bitch. You see this, this gentleman as he is crying, not unlike you, just completely demolished with emotion. And he manages to choke out. You, you said you tried to help. And you see McFate put his hand on top of this other man's shoulder. I tried, Isaac. I'm so sorry. Yeah, realizing that my terrible image is over and hearing McFate, A, feeling a little bit of you fucking bitch. <laughs> um, but I'm going to sit, I'm going to like stand and see the scene play out. On the bed is the woman you saw in the garden. At least you think so. She is quite literally a husk of what she used to be. 
you've heard of it before. It's this once the brilliance has taken hold of a person entirely and eaten up everything. Yep. Oh, McFate, you stupid. Uh, He's just going to shake his head like, oh, you son of a bitch. The scene freezes. It's still in that same muted color world, but as if someone took a picture that you've stepped into. It doesn't dissolve, but it's clearly not going to move forward. Felix is going to just once more just kind of shake his head like he he doesn't even know really where to begin with this. He's but he's going to like about face and and he's going to leave because he understands that there isn't really anything he can do except for hate McFade even more. Because the bitch is getting everybody addicted to brilliance. It's fine. Yeah. That's one way to take that statement. Yeah. Where are you headed? How many feels does Felix have left? Ah, shit, man. I don't know. I guess now he's satisfied with the upstairs. It's hurt him a lot. Don't ever want to go back there. Fuck that place. He will now just... I guess gaze into the smoking... He'll head down the stairs mm-hmm. and gaze into the smoking room. Not really enter it, but just kind of just look. He's starting to feel a little a little worn out from everything. Understandable. When, when he peeks in, not taking a huge interest, you see two people fighting. There is a rugged man... Older and Frycore army or army, <laughs> Frycore, Frycore armor, who is definitely disarming a squatter. Oh, and like one hit, he has the guy knocked out. He finds the rope off the curtains around the window, ties up the squatter, and takes a. The, the squatter had this really rusty knife, and he pockets the knife. Okay. And that's really it. They fade away. It was like a short memory. Something that just happened real quick. Almost seeming to address your curiosity more than an actual purpose. Got it. Um, How about into the parlor then? Oddly, there's nothing in the parlor. You can tell that if you were in there last time, this time someone has entered and opened up the liquor cabinet. There's a bottle missing. Okay. And there's a glass there that had been used. Interesting. If I were to go investigate the glass, do mm-hmm. I feel anything on it? Nope. Okay. Well, that was fun. I think, dear Fate Master, this is the point where Felix goes, I have felt all that I can feel. It is time to go die in peace. <laughs> um, yeah, Felix is going to... Well, okay, weighing his options, he will hap- I mean, haphazardly gaze out all the windows to see if he can jump out them or possibly find an escape. Since you're in the front part of the house, you can tell the guards aren't there anymore. <gasps> oh, where did the guards go? Probably investigating the noise in the backyard. <laughs> Probably com- the profanities. <laughs> Fine. Okay, well, guards, they're gone. Bitches, I'm out. Out the front door? Out the window. <laughs> Crash! Bang! <laughs> no, out the front door. <laughs> it's like, we can do the window! 
<laughs> no, we'll do we'll do the 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 door. We'll we'll leave like a civilized human, <laughs> even though we're not a human. You reach to open the door. You hear your wife's voice one last time, but she's younger. She's just donned her her evening cape, and she's in one of her fine new dresses. And it was one of your first dates as a married couple. And she looks at you, and the kind of way that your partner might look at you after you've been staring at them because they're so damn attractive. They're the love of your life and you can't believe how lucky you are. And she kind of smiles and she's like, well, hurry up, let's go. We don't want to miss the show. I can't. I can't feel <laughs> the feels. They're done. There are no more feels to be felt. Well, at this, instead of falling into unending despair and sadness, he will adjust his bowler, you know, play the part. He knows for a fact that would not be what he was wearing, but he will do what he can, and he'll, like, extend his arm for her to take so they can exit the house. As the door opens, and you still feel her her weight on your arm, as this kind of twilighty light hits your face instead of the dark murk that was in the home, you blink and the color returns. It's no longer saturated. It's all in that vivid, crisp, shadowy darkness at this point. As you're standing this threshold of this door, you recognize that you're back in this lonely house that's just seen too much pain. The house sighs and creaks in relief, content now that someone else knows the story. You feel a chill as if someone stepped on your grave. A feeling once familiar, but has been absent since your death. That is, until now. Hey there, gorgeous. Thanks for listening to us today. And if you like this episode, why don't you go ahead and subscribe? Might as well rate and review us while you're at it. Now, if you're looking for updates, you can find us at soulstorypod.com. In case you were looking to stay in touch, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at soulstorypod. Now, if you wanted to keep in touch with all of us folks personally, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Moose at Mooseyfo. Spencer at Spare Bear the Meek, the lovely man who plays yours truly, Albert Long, at Hot Bam with three M's, Logan at KOTL of the Light, and Alex at Roll for Alex. And as always, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs>